With some good words to live by, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. It's a simple plea. King, do what is right, and God will bless you. Do what is right. If you turn your life around right now, these nightmares will turn into sweet dreams. And he provides the solution and he waits. And that's one of the wisest things that you can do with your friends and family is provide the solution and wait. Provide the answer and wait. God's the one that will change a heart, not you. This is amazing grace. to have you along as we present Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will join us in a second, and you might find your place in Daniel 4. We're about to hear the story of a very proud, arrogant king brought low. He hit rock bottom and was even living like an animal. Thankfully, by God's grace, King Nebuchadnezzar was restored after this humbling experience. It's a reminder to all that God reaches the unreachable, Listen, you can't be a consumer. The church is not here to take from the world. We're here to give. God is the greatest giver. Love is an action. The primary action of love is not emotion. It's giving. Sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he took. That's not what the Bible says. You memorize this verse. You probably memorize it as a kid before you ever even went to church. For God so loved the world that he gave. And so let's find ourselves in a place of reception. Let's be Daniel. At last, Daniel came. He didn't say, oh, you know what? I've done this before, Nebuchadnezzar. Come on over. No, at last he came. I think of that every time I go on a hospital visit. Like, they, they need someone to go. They need, I just went on one recently, and she couldn't leave that. She couldn't leave. She needed somebody to come to her. She needed someone to be in the room with her and encourage her. She needs someone to pray over her. The world needs us to walk into their lives. And one of the things I try to teach the leadership here is how to learn how to invite yourself into someone's life. Not push yourself, invite yourself. Invite yourself into their lives. You know, one of the ways that most people will allow you to invite them into their, invite you into their lives is over food. People love to eat. Jesus loved to eat. And food or coffee... Those are great, and you know, you, you think about coming here, how hard it is to get here at seven. Well, how hard would it be for you to get here at six? And you just go, well, I don't know, that would probably be super hard. Well, try to get here at six and invite someone to meet you here downstairs, share a cup of coffee together. Just talk. It is so hard to get here on seven. I commend you for making it on seven. Let's start praying about six. Oh, you can't make six? Let's pray about 6.30 then. Let's just see what God will do. When's the last time you stepped out and said, and you just began to think, Lord, man, if I get that call from Nebuchadnezzar, I'm there. At last, Daniel came. I want that to be my, we are those Daniels. I want that to be my testimony. Now, I realize I can't do everything. You can't do everything, but I can do something. And so I want to be faithful to do something. And I want to be faithful to do what God's called me to do. So if anyone ever emails me, what have you done for me? I could tell you what I've done for you. I prayed for you study the Bible for you, minister to the team here, encourage them, whatever, whatever it might be. 
those that serve with me know I, I love a full day. I love to fill as much stuff as I can in a day. And however God has wired you, he's wired you that way to be a giver and not a taker. Don't forget that. A giver, not a taker. Well, notice, as we find that Daniel came, he's, notice in verse, verse 16, for seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest people. Belteshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can tell me, because of the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Verse 19. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time. I like how the old King James, the old King James gives a time, a time period, it says, for one hour. So he's overcome in the presence of the king for a time, or in the old King James, for one hour. Now imagine standing there in silence before the king of all the earth for an hour. Once again, this is an area of our lives that we aren't, we aren't good waiters. We don't like to wait. We're very impatient people. And at some time in that 60 minutes, it would get pretty awkward for you. But he's overwhelmed by what he heard. And that's a long time to be silent. But as the Bible says, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. And we would be wise to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I had to learn the hard way. And I've learned it over the years. I don't know that I've certainly mastered this, but I'll tell you, I learned this. There was a season as a young pastor where I really believed everybody wanted my opinion so I gave it. And I believe it was a biblical opinion, uh, but I would give my opinion on things when the person never asked me for my opinion. And I found that I was hurting people. I found that I was misrepresenting, or excuse me, misunderstanding what was being said. I found that the person actually didn't want my opinion at all. They just wanted me to pray for them, or wanted me to share a scripture with them, or a thousand other things I learned the hard way. Till one day, it's almost like the Holy Spirit said, okay, Ed, don't you realize Nobody wants your opinion until they ask you. And so I adopted a new way of dealing with people. If you want my opinion, you'll ask me. If you don't ask me, I'm not telling you. And even so, I've learned my opinion really doesn't matter. So if you ask for my opinion, I hope I'm trained well enough that the first thing out of my mouth is, what does the Bible say? Because I don't know about you, but I've changed my opinion a couple thousand times in my lifetime. I see things differently now. Some things I've learned the hard way. Some things I've just simply changed. God has matured me. And so I don't really give my opinion very much these days. But I'll give you what I believe God's opinion on the matter is. What does the Bible say? It's a good how. What does the Bible say? Because that's the answer that you really need. And I think it's a motto in ministering for us that silence, too often we speak before we think. And a big th problem with listening, listen, married couples, this is a big problem with listening. The difference between hearing and listening. Hearing, you hear the words. Listen, you process and you're, you're intently focused. But the problem we have in listening or hearing in that whole area is while the person's talking, we're formulating our answer and therefore we don't know what the heck they're saying. And then you wonder, why don't you understand? You just don't understand me. I do understand you. You don't understand me. I'm giving you an insight of Marie and I last night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've certainly had our days with that where 
I know that I fall into this where I formulate my answer when I should just listen to her. She doesn't even need an answer. She just wants me to listen to her. And we do that with each other in close relationships. We find ourselves on the pedestal as the most important person. This is real important too to those of you that are serving Jesus. When everybody comes to you for answers, you don't have all the answers. And don't get a big head because they do come to you for all the answers. Just stay humble and pray and seek wisdom for someone. Your opinion's not gonna save them or change them. It's the word of God. It's his wisdom. And it's a trap for all of us where people are hurting, even our friends. Our friends are hurting, struggling, they need help, and all we want to do is diagnose them and fix them. And how many times have we diagnosed a problem and tried to fix someone and that made things worse, not better? Well, you know, what you need to do is, and what you need to do is, what you need, hey, why don't I just pray for you because you're really messed up and I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, let's just seek God together. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know. And you're not in any way a, a failure when you look someone in the eye and go, I don't know. I don't know. This is a big mess. I don't know how, we're, I don't know how you're going to get out of it. But let's pray because God loves you and he's going to lead you out of this as you follow him. He's going to help you. Christians, you know, we have a bad reputation of sorts. We own it all. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard this phrase where you, you, you know, you're shoving religion down my throat. That's a pretty graphic description, you know. It's like you got them down, hold them down, and you're stuffing the Bible down their throat, and it's a pretty graphic description. It's, it's more of a defense mechanism than anything, but, but it's a graphic description of how people feel when other believers don't listen, don't respond, and don't even show up. Well, come back to the text with me. He's quiet for a time frightened now Daniel is by the meaning of the dream, verse 19. And the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, not you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and the birds nested in its branches, verse 22. That tree, your majesty, is you, for you have grown strong and great, and your greatness reaches up to heaven, and your rule to the ends of the earth. Verse 23, then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means. Your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord the King. You'll be driven from human society, and you'll live in the fields with wild animals. You'll eat grass like a cow, and you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass, and you'll live this way until you learn. Listen, you will live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. How, how long will you live in this situation until you learn the Most High? You're, you're going to go through this, Nebuchadnezzar. The dream was given to you. You're the tree. This is going to happen to you. And you're going to live this way until you learn the Most High. And there was a message for him. And that was that the Most High rules over the kingdoms and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump, verse 26, and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you'll receive your kingdom back again. 
when you have learned that heaven rules, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you'll continue to prosper. So it's a plea, not a command. And it's a simple plea. King, do what is right and God will bless you. Do what is right. If you turn your life around right now, these nightmares will turn into sweet dreams. And he provides the solution and he waits. And that's one of the wisest things that you can do with your friends and family is provide the solution and wait. Provide the answer and wait. God's the one that will change a heart, not you. Let me show you what I mean. Would you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as we wind down tonight? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is so important that we need to be reminded of it. We take so much burden upon ourselves and we're so concerned and we're so worried. But you know, it's God that gives the increase. It's God that does the finishing work. It's God that he finishes what he begins. And we need to provide the solution and wait. Notice with me in verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, as he's writing to the believers, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it's God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Or in the New King James, God gives the increase. I planted, Paulos watered, but it's God that makes the seed grow. So plant the seeds, church. Sow the seeds with generosity. Be a giver of the seed of the gospel. And come alongside someone and water it. Ministering to people. Serving them. And then wait for God to give the increase. There's no need for undue and unnecessary pressure that we put on someone. It's like, don't you feel sorry yet? What's your problem? Repent. Be baptized. Just get it over with. Just forsake that sin. But rather, keep planting. Keep watering. And then pray for God to give the increase. You know, there'll be times when I'm talking to someone, and they will look me in the eye and say something like, Ed, what you say makes sense. I understand what you're saying. And they're in that place where they hear, you're right. And that's the beauty of the word of God, you know. The word of God is right every single time. There isn't a time when you share God's word when it's not right. The only mistake that we often make with the word is not sharing it, but having it misapplied in people's lives. But like just if you open up, the word of God is right. It's yes and all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. So the word of God is right. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And so we don't need to defend this book. We just need to share it. I don't need to defend, oh, you know, Ed, you're teaching the Bible and you're in the same book for, you know, two years. I don't need to defend that. You're, you're right. We're in the book. And it'll probably be another year. If you come back in 12 months, we might be finished by then. I don't need to defend that. That's my commitment. I don't need to defend, well, you know, Ed, if you were just uh, had shorter messages, maybe my family would come back. Don't come back. And if you do, I see you in here, I'll teach longer just for you. I'm not doing things artificially. I'm teaching you the Bible. That's my commitment. If I'm the last man standing in Aurora teaching the Bible verse by verse, so be it. And I might be teaching myself in a mirror. That's fine. Because I need to hear the Word of God. And I want the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It's not fancy messages and fancy slogans. It's that, those stuff can get people's attention. And I may use stuff that might get you attention, but only for the purpose of getting the Word of God into your heart. That's it. You've got to know God's word. You've got to know that like God used Daniel, God will use you. What made Daniel so special? 
He was a young kid living life, taken captive, you could say kidnapped, brainwashed, or at least attempted to, living in a foreign land with foreign people in foreign language, foreign religion. And what made Daniel any different than you and me? All he did was stand up and say, I'm not compromising. I'm not going to compromise. That's it. That's what he did. Can't you do that? Yes? Amen? Can't you stand and say, I won't compromise? You don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to post it on Facebook. I'm I'm no compromiser. Just do it. Just do it. We'll know. You don't need to post it. We'll know. Your life will start making a difference. You'll be surrounded with new believers. God will use you and your family. You'll step out and serve and minister to the kids that need hope. You'll, you'll minister, as we, as we were praying, I couldn't help but think of Randy, one of our elders here, one of our board members, who is devoted to ministering to veterans with PTSD, previous and current, those that serve. Like, he's committed. I couldn't help but pray for him. And the sister in our group prayed for him. Well, what makes you any different than Randy? Randy's just a guy who said, here I am. Lord, use me. And God said, you want to be used? I'll use you. But the mode today is people complain about being used. They complain about service. They complain about having to rearrange their schedule for someone. And you're just missing out because God will use somebody else. While you're complaining, God will use someone else. And it will be a joy for the person that God uses. It's always a joy for the person that God uses. Will you go home tired? Probably. Will you lose sleep? Most likely. Will it cost you something financially? Maybe. But man, there's always joy in the servant of the Lord. God always uses you. Even if you're planting and you never, you know, a farmer, if you think about it, when a farmer plants a seed, he doesn't see an immediate crop. He's got to take care of that, fertilize it, get the furrows right, get rid of all the creatures and all. He's got to take care of that seed, water it, and over time it comes. And so think about all the seeds you've planted over the years that maybe this is the harvest year. This is it. And you'll be like Daniel. You'll show up. But we don't need to be pressuring people and shoving the word down their throat. Just build the bridge and share the word. All right? So let's come back. Verse 28 now. But these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. And as he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon by my own mighty power. I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. (laughs) Okay, Nebuchadnezzar. And wow, listen, while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer the ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass over you while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, judgment was fulfilled. Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow. He was drenched with the dew of heaven. And he lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. (laughs) You know one of the things this teaches us? Daniel was a true prophet. What Daniel said would happen, happened. You know another thing this teaches us? The dream that troubled Nebuchadnezzar was from the Lord. All of it to the detail. You're like, wow, God, you know what you're doing. 
and he literally became as an animal. There's actually a condition that is called zoanthropy, where a person thinks himself as an animal and he acts like one. And here's Nebuchadnezzar, the king of all, the king of all the known world is like an animal. And this just reminds us as we head out that pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And for this brother, you know, God's been very gracious with us that deal with pride. He's been very gracious to us. He's been very patient with us. But for Nebuchadnezzar, is while the words were in his mouth. Imagine how many times, what would happen to you if in the midst of pride, while the words were still in your mouth, some judgment came down, some issue you came that you had to deal with. That's where he's at. Pride is nasty. And it is not to be a friend to any of us. The pride of man. Because pride goes before a fall, the church needs to be ready to catch. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 speaks of, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share one another's burdens and in this way the law of Christ. And there are countless hundreds around us who will either come to us when there's a problem or run away from us. It all depends on whether we see ourselves as fishermen and fisherwomen. Fisher of men. That was a common phrase in the time of Jesus. The idea of the rabbis and their teachings would go fishing for men. But Jesus, the true rabbi, he came to not take advantage and draw men to himself, but rather to draw men and women to himself so he could give himself for them the greatest servant. As we see the days getting darker, may we provide the nets and the anchors for people that are living a mad life. For seven years of his life, he wasted because of pride. It says, and after this time, verse 34, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. And all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as the head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven and all his acts are just and true, and he is able, mark this in your Bible, he is able to humble the proud. What a chapter. What a chapter of the faithfulness of God. There's no need for us to be so prideful and haughty, but rather to take the position of a servant and to serve and to serve and to serve some more. How in Jesus' name, in the power of the Spirit, and just watch God, this... This, this world, as it gets darker and more difficult, as people are walking around just mindless and overcome by their sin, the church is, this is such a prime time for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe that's you today. It's such a prime time for the gospel to take root in your heart. It is the time. There's never been a better time than now to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. 
We're traveling through Daniel one verse at a time with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, on the web, we're at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Calvary Aurora. Yes, these are frightening times for many in our world today. But how can we as Christians stand courageously? In Tom Doyle's book, Standing in the Fire, you'll be encouraged as you read about certain heroes of the faith that stood strong in the face of danger. We too can stand courageously in the fire we're faced with. Request a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we look to our listeners to help us remain a biblical voice on this station, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's kingdom work. You'll be helping people all across the nation to become a man or woman that God can use. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also donate through the app. Well, don't miss our next study in Daniel. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 